If you could change one thing about the world to make it a better place, what would you choose to change? Would you eliminate world hunger and make sure everyone had enough food to eat and so their bellies were full? Would you eradicate cancer and so that no one would ever have to go through cancer treatment again? We would never have to hear that word. It would be a thing of the past. Would you provide for those in poverty or correct all of the injustice in the world? Would you think much smaller and just do something for yourself? Well, all of these changes in life, all of these changes that we could make in the world would help. You have good ideas, I'm sure, of how you would make the world a better place. But underneath all of the problems that we face in life is one fundamental issue. Sin. That life's biggest problems are because of sin. Sin is the ultimate problem. And that is why we rejoice each week knowing that Jesus Christ came to save us from our sins. He came to undo the damage that sin has caused. And we see his powerful work of forgiveness in our passage in John's gospel today. We see Jesus starting to deal with sin. And so we are picking up this morning in John chapter 21. The disciples are on the beach finishing their breakfast that the risen Jesus has provided for them some number of days after he rose from the dead. And it is at this moment as they are wrapping up breakfast full after a long night of fishing and full bellies there that Jesus finally addresses Peter's sin of denying him three times. So let us open the word, let us turn to the word of God and go to John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. John 21, starting in verse 15. Let us hear the word of God. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I do. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I do, that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Amen. Let us pray. Well, God, we give thanks for your word and we pray, O Lord, that as we hear your word today, that you would be with us, 
that your word you tell us in, is living and active, that it is the very power for salvation. And so I pray, O oh God, that you would use me in spite of my sin, my weakness, and that you would help me to proclaim your word, to clearly explain, to apply the word in ways that are understandable, that you would go forth in the power of your word and that you would open our ears, open our hearts and minds, that we would hear your word today, O oh God, and that you would work in us in the way you want to convicting us and comforting us and working by your powerful word in us, drawing us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in our passage, the big idea I want us to, to get today out of what we are hearing is that since Jesus came to save us from our sins, we should rejoice in the great blessings that flow from His power to forgive our sins and the sins of others. In other words, there are great blessings that come from forgiveness. We saw that in Psalm 32. Blessed are you if you are forgiven. And so we are going to look at three great blessings of forgiveness today. But one blessing we're not talking about is that we receive eternal life with God when we are forgiven. That's often one of the main blessings we think about. If we are forgiven by Jesus, we get to go to heaven. That's not on the list today. It, it is a blessing, but in our passage, we are focused on present blessings of forgiveness. That forgiveness is not just some good thing that helps us enjoy life in the future. Forgiveness blesses us now. So I want to see three present blessings of forgiveness in our passage. The first present blessing that flows from the forgiveness of Christ is reconciliation with others. We see this from the fact that Jesus initiates this conversation with Peter in front of the other disciples. Jesus could have appeared to Peter on another occasion when he was alone, and he would have avoided all of the awkwardness that Peter surely felt having to answer these questions before his friends. But Jesus knew there was still some kind of rift between Peter and his fellow disciples. You see, at the end of chapter 13, Peter had boasted in front of the other disciples that he would lay down his life for Jesus. The Gospel of Matthew tells us in that same conversation that Peter said about his fellow disciples, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Peter had boasted in front of them that he was the most faithful of all the disciples. But then, just as Jesus foretold, Peter denied Jesus three times to his great shame. And so this background helps us to understand Jesus' first question in verse 15. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I have to imagine that that question immediately silenced any small talk around the fire. All of a sudden, the crackling of the fire, the lapping of the waves on shore got really loud as they waited for Peter to respond. Jesus did not shy away from that awkwardness. He knew that for Peter and the disciples to be truly reconciled, Peter's sin must be addressed in their presence. Because in a sense, he had sinned against them. But he didn't only sin against them. He also sinned against Jesus. So that's why Jesus is asking him, do you love me 
He asks him three times, reminding Peter of the three denials the night he was arrested. And John writes that this grieved Peter, and understandably so, that the one he had sinned against was bringing that sin to light. And as much as Peter may have wanted Jesus to ignore that sin, forgiveness cannot happen by ignoring sin. That's what we saw in our Old Testament reading from Psalm 32. David wrote, For when I keep silence, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Sin must be addressed because it will fester if we ignore it. Now, we may fear our sin being discussed. We may fear being confronted by those we have sinned against. But those uncomfortable conversations are a necessary part of the healing process of forgiveness. When we do not address the sins between us and others, we are missing out on a present blessing of forgiveness, that of reconciliation. Jesus has the power to reconcile us. But too often we spurn this blessing, saying no thanks. We do that when we stonewall those who have sinned against us, refusing to hear their apology, rejecting any attempts they make to reconcile. At times we prefer to hold the sins of others against them instead of seeking the joyful healing that reconciliation brings through the power of the blood of Jesus. We could also spurn this blessing of reconciliation by being offended when people bring our sins to our attention. We all have a tendency to defend our actions. We have that inner defense attorney that just springs into action to rebut any rebuke that someone brings against us. Rarely do we see those moments as an opportunity to enjoy the blessing of reconciliation that Jesus is offering us. See, since the church is made up of sinful people, we are going to be presented with regular opportunities to enjoy this blessing of reconciliation. We are going to be sinned against by people in this room. We are going to sin against people in this room. It's going to happen because we are all sinful people in this room. And a big temptation will be for us to remain silent, to ignore those rifts in order to spare everyone awkward conversations. But Jesus shows us it is worth addressing sin so that His power to forgive can reconcile sinners into loving fellowship once again. He wants us to enjoy that blessing of forgiveness even today. So the first present blessing Jesus shows us here is reconciliation. The second present blessing that flows from his forgiveness is how sinners are restored for service. That it wasn't just Jesus and the other disciples who needed this moment of forgiveness. Peter needed it too. We don't get told everything that we want to know in the Bible. And one of those things that I'd really like to know is like, how did Peter respond the first time Jesus appeared risen from the dead? Was he excited or was he tenuous? 
Like, I hope Jesus doesn't bring up that denying him thing. Is that how he was feeling? Did he approach him with a tempered sort of joy, unsure? Is Jesus going to bring this up like, hey, we're friends, right? He didn't know. He needed to know that things were right between him and Jesus. He needed to know where he stood with his Savior. Was he forgiven of his sin, but no longer fit to serve as an apostle? Had he done too much wrong to be of further use to Jesus? See, our sin can often make us feel this way, like we have somehow fully disqualified ourselves. And one pastor writes that this is the work of the evil one. He says, Satan whispers to us that our sin has disqualified us forever. This is especially the devil's message to those who have sinned greatly after becoming Christians. But Jesus is one who conquers that great enemy. And Jesus wants to cast away all of the doubts that Peter has on his mind. But to do so... He must take Peter through this humbling time of confession and repentance. And so he asks three times, do you love me? Jesus could have only asked him once, but he is intentionally asking three times, mirroring the three denials, making Peter remember the extent of his most shameful moment. Jesus does so not to shame him, but to give him the opportunity to give the correct answer. To show that I am forgiving you of all of it, not just some of it. I want us to consider how that relates to our New Testament reading from Luke 7, where Jesus met with another guy named Simon, this one a proud Pharisee. And a sinful woman, likely a prostitute, bust in on their dinner, and Simon was outraged. This Pharisee couldn't believe that this religious leader, Jesus, was letting her touch him. And so Jesus makes this hugely important point, noting that the degree to which a person is forgiven directly corresponds to the degree to which they love the one who forgives them. And so by asking Peter three times, do you love me? Jesus is helping Peter love him more by helping Peter see just how much he's been forgiven. He wants him to be able to serve him well. He wants the assurance of his forgiveness to flow into greater love so that it will then flow into faithful service. Notice that each time after Peter answers, Jesus says, feed my sheep or something very similar. The, the difference between lambs and sheep and feed and tend, are, they're negligible. It's really the same focus of I want you to go and be an apostle. I want you to fulfill this pastoral ministry I am calling you to. That having been forgiven, Jesus restores Peter to his position. He recommissions him to serve the church as one who loves Jesus more for having been forgiven of this great sin. Jesus does the same kinds of things today. Because Christians still sin today. And when Christians today sin, Jesus shows us that he forgives us. And restores us to serve him. That if Jesus could still use Peter, then Jesus can still use forgiven sinners like us. The problem is we don't get to have breakfast with Jesus the same way that Peter did. 
Restoration is a little bit harder for us because we don't know everything that Jesus knows. See, Jesus could look into Peter's heart and tell he was forgiven, that he did indeed love Jesus. But we cannot see the hearts of those who sin greatly today, especially those in leadership like pastors and elders and other leaders of the church. So what that tells us is restoration to leadership is absolutely possible. It is possible for people who have sinned in leadership to be restored. But it also tells us that since we do not have divine heart detectors, it may take more time for us to discern the genuine repentance in that person's heart. We should always hold out hope knowing Christ has the power to forgive, that people can be restored to service, but we should not hastily restore sinners who have committed serious errors. We should not immediately put them back in positions of authority. But that doesn't mean they are of no no further use to Jesus. You see, even if leaders are never restored to their exact same position or exact level of authority, Jesus can still use them for service in the church. Because there is no such thing as a useless Christian. We are all useful in some way, able to serve Jesus Christ. No forgiven sinner is disqualified from all forms of service. Jesus shows us here that He powerfully forgives sinners like Simon Peter. And He can and delights to restore them to service. But even if they are not restored fully to that position, they are restored to some service in some way. So that is a blessing that we can enjoy in the church. It is not a blessing we want to enjoy in the church. We don't want people to sin greatly and for us to need to restore them. And yet, the stories of God's grace and the way restoration is found is truly a blessing that Christ gives us. But what kind of service is Peter restored to? That brings us to the third present blessing that flows from forgiveness. We see that sinners are renewed to glory in the cross. Peter is recommissioned to tell people about his crucified Lord who endured a shameful death to save the world. That's what Peter is told to go do. Now let's remember why it is that Peter denied Jesus. Peter's life was not in danger. No one was going to arrest Peter that night. The leaders weren't thinking, man, let's get all those other disciples. No, they let them all go away. They knew they had the big fish. They had Jesus. Peter didn't matter. Peter denied Jesus because he was ashamed of Jesus' weakness of his willingness to endure unjust suffering. Remember, earlier in Jesus' ministry, when Jesus predicted his coming sacrificial death, Peter pulled him aside and rebuked him. He rejected the idea of a suffering Messiah. So in Jesus' question to Peter, he is asking him, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me as a crucified Messiah who suffered before he was glorified. As one commentator writes about Peter, was he ready to love Christ as he was and not as he wished him to be? See, Peter had signed on earlier 
before the cross. He was willing to follow Jesus before the cross. But now that the cross was like the big thing that Jesus was about, could Peter rejoice in that? Could he be excited about the thing that he had previously been ashamed of? Could he boast in an executed Lord who did not conquer the Roman oppressors? Jesus is asking, do you love the way that God has chosen for me to save you? Peter needed to love Jesus in this way. Because all who follow Jesus need to love Jesus in this way. For how he saves us. And it was especially important for Peter. Because Jesus tells Peter that he will die of crucifixion in the same way that he did. That is the image of having your hands stretched out and being carried of where you do not want to go. That church history tends to tell us that Peter died of crucifixion. Now that prediction was unique for Peter. Not everyone who follows Jesus will literally be crucified. But we are all called to daily take up our cross. To die to ourselves through sacrifice of serving Jesus and others in his name. See, when we are forgiven by Jesus, we are renewed by him and for him to live for him. That's what Jesus said in verse 18. When you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk where you wanted. The idea seems to be that before following me, you lived how you wanted to live. But now that you've been renewed by me, now that you've been forgiven by me, you are no longer your own. And the same is true for all who believe in Jesus. We follow him instead of our heart. We serve him instead of ourselves. And when we follow Jesus, we are called to glory in the cross. That his saving work becomes the best news in all the world to us. And we need to be able to not be ashamed of it, but to delight in saying that, guys, the cross is way better than a list of rules for us to follow. The cross is way better than a list of punishments or challenges for us to endure. The cross is way better than trying to outweigh our bad deeds with good ones. The cross becomes our greatest joy because it gives us the hope of forgiveness. And so Peter, he seems here to know full well that he cannot prove himself. And so when he is asked for the third time if he loves Jesus, he can simply respond Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. It is Peter's way of bringing his feeble faith to Jesus. He lays himself before Jesus. He trusts in his mercy. He trusts in Jesus' love for him more than his own love for Jesus. He trusts that Jesus would not be bringing up this sin just to condemn him. He trusts in the character of his crucified Lord who died in his place. He goes to him knowing he will be renewed by Jesus. And having been forgiven, Peter was truly forever changed and renewed. Jesus powerfully dealt with Peter so that Peter could go and preach a powerful message of forgiveness. That just as the sinful woman in Luke 7 loved Jesus so much because she had been forgiven so much, so also Peter loves Jesus so much because he has been forgiven so much. That forgiveness changed him. So what about you? 
Do you love this crucified Lord? Do you love that Jesus does call you out on your sin, identifying all of the ways that you sin in His Word, but He does so only to wash them away in His blood? Do you love Him? And do you see how your love for Him increases when you come to Him again and again for forgiveness? Do you love how He provides for you a way to be reconciled with those who have sinned against you? Do you love how He forgives you even as you struggle to live a life of selfless sacrifice? Do you feel the joy of being forgiven? And does that joy fuel you as you share the powerful message we've been given? See, it's not just Peter that is commissioned and sent out into the world. We are too. Because our world has no power to forgive. There is no mechanism in the world to forgive. We have seen this very clearly in recent years as our culture has harshly condemned people for their sins. Sins which are real sins. Providing them no hope for forgiveness or restoration. See, our world has no power to forgive sins and yet it is full of sinners. We have people who are wronging one another, people who hate one another, people who are crippled by their own guilt and shame for their sins. And those who deny their own sins are boasting in themselves in such a way that they are merely waiting for their own fall, a fall that they cannot hide. Our world desperately needs forgiveness because sin is the greatest problem in our world. Thankfully, Jesus came with the power to forgive sins. And if we have such a powerful message, shouldn't we be sharing that good news? Shouldn't we be willing willing to risk the hard work of addressing sin for the sake of people being forgiven? Especially since we know if we sin and mess up while we're doing it, He will forgive us. Shouldn't we see these blessings of forgiveness in the church today? See, the church is full of sinners and it should be the primary place we see these blessings of forgiveness flow. If we, like Peter, claim to love Jesus, let us then see His work of forgiveness and the blessings from it flow here in His church. Let us enjoy His power to forgive sins, knowing that one day soon, Jesus is coming to take away all sin. That there will be a world that has no more sin. That that day is coming. And until then, we get to love our forgiving Savior here, together, in a group of people who still sin, and yet have the powerful means to deal with it to deal with the sin between us and God, the sins between one another, in fact, even the sins of the world. So let us love Jesus, the one who forgives us. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, we pray that you would help us to be forgiving people. And the best way, oh God, for us to be more forgiving towards others is to know how we are forgiven by you. So often it is easy for us to withhold forgiveness. So often it is easy for us to just try to avoid the topic of sin. We'd be willing to forgive. We just don't want to talk about it. 
Oh God, I pray that You would help us to take those awkward and sometimes scary steps knowing that reconciliation is a beautiful blessing. Knowing that restoration feels so good. Knowing that You, O oh God, have the power to deal with our sins and the sins of others. God, we pray that You would help us to forgive as we have been forgiven, to delight and know the great joy and blessing that comes from being washed clean in Christ. In His name we pray. Amen.